Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you want to write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating. Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. With us today is Cheryl Bass. She is a writer, an author, and a book publisher. Her latest children's book is part of a series and it's called Baby Dragon Finds His Family. It was released October 24th of this year. Her first book, Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze, released last year on October 19th. She's a very busy woman. You can find more about Cheryl um, at her website, b-kindpublishing.com. I'll have that information in the show notes. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. So another adorable book. I'm so excited to find out what's going on with Baby Dragon. So tell us about Baby Dragon Finds His Family. Okay. Well, it continues where the last story left off. So the last story, a baby dragon basically is flying around. He sneezes, accidentally burns down a village. Um, The townspeople are very mad at him until a little girl comes to his cave to find out why he did this and um, tries to get his side of the story before making any assumptions and finds out that it was actually an accident, that he sneezed and and burned down the village because he has a cold and his parents aren't around to help him. So the town gets together and they decide to help him feel better and in turn he helps them rebuild. In the second book, he's been living with humans for a while now, several months, and he doesn't have a name because dragons usually get named by their parents. So he doesn't have a name and He's the only one of his kind in the whole village because he lives with humans. So he's feeling sort of uh, like he doesn't belong. He's feeling out of place, self-conscious, wants to find others of his kind. So he goes on a journey to do that. And while he's on that journey, he meets an elf, a unicorn, and a fairy. And each of them has various different problems. And he helps them along the way and learns valuable lessons along the way as he's helping these other magical creatures. But the problem is it's getting dark as he's doing this. It's getting later. So he's sacrificing his own time. You know, he has to be back by dark because he's only a baby and he's off alone on this quest. So um, so he's trying to find his family members before uh, it gets dark. And um, so the question is, does, does helping these other uh, creatures, does that stop him um, from having the time he needs to find others like him. Oh, so. baby dragon. He's so cute. Yeah. I love baby dragon. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, you know, when you're writing a children's book, Cheryl, it, it, and you, you I, sh- I should mention, you are a licensed clinical social worker as well, or you're trained as. Well, I, I have a master's in social work and one year toward my licensure. And then after, so I didn't do the full two years for the for the LCSW, but I did do um, one year of the clinical hours and so on. And then before I got the LCSW, then I went back to school and that's when I switched to journalism and then PR. So I have a master's in social work and a master's in um, in journalism. 
Gotcha. Wow. <laughs> okay. And it comes through in the in, in your wonderful books. But I'm wondering, you. um, you're welcome. In order to get a message across to children, it has to be subtle, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And how do you thread that needle? Hmm. It's tough. You don't want to be too heavy handed and, and um, beat people over the head with it. But there are some um, phrases in there about uh, there's messages in the story about found family. And this second story is particularly helpful for um, children who have been adopted, children who are in blended families in families that are not as uh, what you would typically imagine. So um, he finds his family, but it's it's not in the way that you think in this story. So it's it, it opens for discussion. It, it definitely is the kind of thing that parents should read to their children and then discuss with them afterward. Yep. And I, I imagine it also helps children to be empathetic to other children who are in that position, even if they are not. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it's not just people whose family constructions are different, but also people who are different. So uh, there's one line in there, um, plus dragons are special because they're so rare. Um, that the fairy is is giving counsel to the dragon. And that's also nice a nice message for children who either maybe have a physical deformity or have something that makes them a little bit different from their peers. So there's a lot in there that um, that parents can discuss with their children. So why an elf, a unicorn, and a fairy? Well, I wanted magical creatures. I wanted him to enter a magical realm because he's magical, too. You know, dragons are not something that historically we know ever existed. Um, and so I wanted other magical creatures, but those that um, that are known as friendly. Like, for example, at one point I was considering having one of the magical creatures be a puka, which um, is a, sort of a Celtic um, creature that is morally ambiguous but gives advice. And ultimately, I decided to have it be a fairy at the end that gives some advice. But I thought, oh, the pukas give advice. It's sort of a um, but a puka is a little bit scary looking and they're morally ambiguous. So and not a lot of people know what a puka is. So then I would be, you know, um, having to kind of educate the parents along with the kids about what this creature is. And so I decided to just opt for more um, commercially recognized, you know, friendly magical creatures that um but also the magical creatures had to be those that um existed or are known about in western european kind of folklore so um because i wanted to keep it consistent this is sort of um medieval uh somewhat um viking type or somewhat a little bit celtic so um there's one scene where the the baby dragon is wearing a bib and on his bib is actually um, a Viking rune for family. So that sort of is a little Easter egg, you know, that I put in there for <laughs> um, for people, you know, who are really into that kind of thing and want to look it up and figure out what he's wearing on his bib, things like that. So um, I want it to be as consistent as possible. Uh, you mentioned um, we talked about in our because this is not our first interview we've interviewed before, and I'll link to that interview as well. But so, right. social emotional learning, what is that and how how did it make its way into your book? Social emotional learning is is really important for um, young children to learn. These are the non-reading, writing, arithmetic types of lessons that you um, 
good parents and good teachers teach their children te- uh, when they're younger. And these are the kind of things that employers look for in adults um, when hiring. These are the intangibles, things like um, being willing to share, being a team player, um, apologizing when you've done something wrong accountability, those types of um, being of good character, having integrity, being kind to your neighbors. um, Those are all things that are very important that we all can learn. Uh, So I I like to inject those kinds of, and that's why I called my publishing house Be Kind Publishing. (laughs) Yep, that that makes a lot of sense. That is very cool. And then we talked a little bit about rhyme, but tell us how, because we all know like children's books have have rhymes. Why are they important to be in children's books? Why is rhyme important? Children are first kind of getting a sense of language, getting a sense of the rhythm and um, it really engages children when something flows off the page and they can kind of, you know, move along to what's being read and they can they can feel the cadence. Um, they can anticipate what the next word is going to be because of the rhyme. They can use context clues um, and increase their vocabulary. Um, it's really great for language um, acquisition. Um, so there are a lot of developmental advantages to using rhyme. Um, it's great for reluctant readers. So um, I, I really like to, I, I want all of my books to be, for children to be in rhyme, my picture books. Very good. And this um, second in the series for Baby Dragon is also illustrated by Ramesh Ram. Um, yes. Yes. Is that a common thing, I guess, for a series to have the same illustrator? I think so, because you want, you definitely want the characters that people have come to love to look the same stylistically, like, and they're just going on a different adventure. Um, so there's a certain kind of look that I really wanted, and um, Ramesh Ram was really able to provide it. I, the way I kind of describe it is sort of like um, Avatar a little bit, very glowy and um, bright, vivid colors. That sort of thing. So, um, and he was able to do that in the first book, and I just wanted the colors to pop even more for the second one, right. and that's what he was able to do. So neat. So, if you go to um, ba- Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze, and I don't know if you have Cheryl has a video that she yeah. created. Is is there one also for the new book, Baby Dragon Finds His Family? Yes, and that video actually, if you go onto my Amazon page, that video has been embedded into some of the reviews. I'm having my web designer right now put that video onto my website. So in the coming days, it should be there as well, the new video for the new book. Yeah, so I haven't seen it yet for the new book, but I remember for, I just went back to it recently for Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze, and it occurred to me that it looks an awful like, a lot like a cartoon already. And I'm wondering, yes. is that, I mean, I'd love to see little Baby Dragon as a, as a TV series. What's going on? I would love that, too. I would definitely <laughs> love that. Plus, I sing, and I would love to have, you oh, know, wow. plushies eventually um, of, of characters. And, um, you know, maybe that you pull a string and my voice would be singing a tune. So, Neat. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about those kinds of opportunities as well. Yeah, I mean, he's just such a lovable char- character and such a likable mm-hmm. character. Um, I love it. I love the books, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited for for you. Um, Cheryl's also a publisher in her own right, and I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about that. Clearly, you've used video in your marketing as on your Amazon page, which is you know kind of the latest latest thing, video, um, but. You really have done things soup to nuts here 
in terms of marketing, promoting, writing, editing, you know, you, you've done it all. I mean, you didn't just write a book and pop it up there. You you did your homework. Um, tell us a little bit about that process, why you decided to publish yourself. Well, I don't have kids myself. And um, when I was turning 50, I first I tried to get it traditional, the first book traditionally published. Um, a lot of people were not interested, one, because I'm not a famous person. So I don't have, you know, more and more now, um, famous people are writing children's books or having a ghostwriter write it and saying that they wrote a children's book. Um, <laughs> so uh, it used to be that they would just get a fragrance. Now they all write a children's book. <laughs> so are they good? Are they good books? Some are, some aren't, right. you know, right. and it presents um, a problem for regular folks like me, because say a publishing house has only 10 spots for picture books in a year. They're going to take Jimmy Fallon and Reese Witherspoon and, and all of these other people who frankly could afford to self-publish. They're getting the help um, and not having to lay out all of that income. And then regular people like me, <coughs> excuse me, are not getting uh, interest from publishing houses and are needing to self-publish. I'm forgetting what your original question was about that. <laughs> <laughs> why, why you decided to self-publish, oh, yes, create yes, your yes. own so, publishing so, company. Right. So I was not having much success with, with that. One, because I'm not famous. And two, some of them came back to me and said they don't like rhyme, which I really felt strongly um, is great developmentally for children. And I really wanted to stay with rhyme. I mean, this is why nursery rhymes are so uh, such a big thing for children. So um, and then I was also turning 50. That was another issue I wanted. Um, since I don't have kids, I wanted to leave a legacy. Uh, and so I was, you know, as I'm getting older, thinking about that. Um, and I wanted that as a goal to do before I turned 50. Plus, my father, unfortunately, was dying. And I wanted him to be able to hold the picture book, have it in his hands before he passed. I thought he would be really proud of me. And we never, I feel sort of like, I don't know if, if and I've never had a cat, but I hear that they bring a lizard or they'll bring a dead animal to you as like an offering. You never get too old, I don't think, to stop offering dead lizards to your parents, you know? So I was trying to, <laughs> I wanted him to be proud and I wanted this to be my legacy. So, um, Unfortunately, he didn't live long enough to see it uh, completed, but he did live long enough to see the illustrations in black and white. And uh, so he passed on September 4th, 2022. And my first book came out on October 19th, 2022. So I still beat my 50th birthday, though, which was in December of 2022. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, so. what you're saying, I think, is very common. Mm -hmm. It's a human thing to want to, to mm -hmm. leave a legacy. And, and, you know, you have all of these gifts and you have this experience and obviously education. And to be able to funnel all of that into a book that helps the next generation is a pretty great thing. Mm, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so creating a publishing company, and it's not easy. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of the process itself, like I said, you didn't really cut corners. You You hired a couple of different editors for the book. Could you mm -hmm. describe that process? Yes. So the self-publishing process, I probably would not have even done if it weren't for a woman named April Cox. So I was, I, as I've been interested in all of this with the children's books, I joined two groups. One of them is called Child uh, Children's Book Insider, Children's Books Insider. And the other one is called um, Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, SCBWI. 
Um, and as a member of both of these groups, you get access to free informational videos that are on their website, archived videos. So I was watching videos one day and I watched one by April Cox and she has this company called Self-Publishing Made Simple. And she basically, she has classes she does, so you can do it with other people or individually. I chose, chose to do the one-on-one -on -one where she walks you through all of the processes of, you know, why you would want to get a um, your own publishing company. And if you do what, you know, how to think about what you want to name it and, um, you know, how to go to um, your local newspaper and uh, make sure, you know, they put an announcement in your newspaper, your local newspaper that there isn't already to make sure that there isn't already something of that name that exists out there um i even trade try I'm, I'm working on a trademark for be kind publishing um that's that's a long process i started that at the beginning of the first book but she has all of these vendors that she works with that that help along the way so she has an editor but my main editor actually was someone i chose before i started working with april so i really liked this editor so i worked a little bit with her editor but also with my own and she had the the um picture book uh I mean, the, the the illustrators that she worked with, she had about 12 illustrators. They all work work for hire, which means that um, all of the illustrators that she works with, one, she knows they're all reliable and, and great to work with. And two, once the illustrations are complete, you only pay the illustrator an upfront fee. Then when the book is published, you, the author, own the rights to those illustrations as well. So trying to get it as a work for hire situation is very important with picture book writing. Um, so now I get the royalties from the books. I don't have to split them with the illustrator. Um, so she has all of these vendors that she works with and she will sit on a Zoom call with you, literally on a Zoom call and walk you through how to get the ISBN codes, which are like the little UPC symbols on the back of the book, how to file that with the Library of Congress. She has a step-by-step -step process on how to do all of this stuff, how to upload your book onto Amazon, how to work with a company called Ingram Spark, which does print on demand, all of those things. Um, I don't think I could have done those things by myself. I don't, I'm not the kind of person that would just sit alone in a room um, with a book like, you know, self-publishing for dummies and, and do it by myself. Having this other person, um, you know, helping me along the way has been great. And, you know, she lives in Rhode Island. I'm in the Chicagoland area. Um, Pryan Animations, I believe, is in India. My web designer is, I think, in the Philippines. So it's, um, you know, I have I have helpers all over the world. And um, so it's it's been wonderful. Gotcha. And you mentioned, I think, in the first interview that we did together, Cheryl, that you had a you had also hired a developmental editor. Well, that was the same. Yeah, oh, the same so editor. Okay. Editor did three different edits um, on on the, the first book and on the second book. So she'll do like a developmental edit, and then she goes more into the nitty gritty of. Um, so the developmental edit is her first sweep, uh, and she taught. She will send, um, you know, several pages worth of. Uh, feedback about different plot points and and why this doesn't work and w what needs to be added and so on. My first book, for example, um, she raised an important. My first draft uh, that I felt was professional enough for her to look at. She said, "Well, why aren't the parents helping?" There was a hole in my story. Why aren't his parents helping him? And that 
allowed for my second book. Yes. You know, that whole question, because yes, he has a cold, but why aren't his dragon parents giving him chicken soup or right. whatever? <laughs> so then I had to add extra stanzas and verses and whatever, because that's an interesting point. Why wouldn't they, you know? And then I thought, okay, he's he's a reptile. He probably hatched out of an egg and they probably left him alone. Like a, an alligator doesn't just stay in, you know. So he, they probably left him and he's probably, he's an orphan or he his parents are, I don't know that they're necessarily dead, but they're not in the picture. And then I expanded on that theme for the second story. So she, having that developmental edit helps you find those blind spots. And by definition, they're blind spots. You're, the author is not going to see them. And so I think it's very important for um, to have that developmental edit. Yeah, that's good to know. A lot of aspiring authors don't even know that that exists. Yes, yes. That, that type of service. Okay. So the other issue is, as a self, you could decide maybe to go with a hybrid publisher who might do some of those things for you, um, you but you decided to, to keep the control of it and do it yeah. yourself. Was that Was that an option for you, hybrid, and you decided against it, or you just started down this path and that's how you finished? Um, April didn't really necessarily recommend hybrid publishing. She recommended just the self-publishing and that way I have all of that creative control. And I've really enjoyed that with the illustrator because like, for example, saying, being able to say to the illustrator, okay, I want the friendship, you know, this, this Celt, this uh, rune symbol to be on his um, bib. And I want him to be the story, the, the, the size of a two story building. And I want the people to be wearing this and that. And, you know, and I would, I would send um, illustration or send images to the illustrator of people in uh, Viking garb, you know, and I would say, okay, you know, I want, more people of color in this and i want um this to look this way i want the you know and so but if i were traditionally publishing and i'm not sure with with hybrid one one way or the other how this works with hybrid but with traditional publishing they would have found the illustrator and they the publishing company would decide um what's happening on each page and what the dragon looks like what the people look like and all of that um but i this allowed me to really this was world building and it's a really kind of powerful feeling because I, I've created all of these characters out of my brain and I, and watching them take shape. It was really like Christmas, like whenever I would open an email from the illustrator and get to see, OK, what's happening now and what do they look like? And um, it, it was very exciting for me. Yeah. I, and I, I it's amazing, isn't it? Like the whole creative process. And there are so many authors out there who have ideas and they just they don't want to take that extra step to go do it and I Mm, think gosh all that you know creativity that Mm. we don't see you know because people don't go down the road that you went down in creating your own um, creating your own company so let me ask you this as as someone you're now in your second book I imagine there's going to be a third baby dragon Yes, yes. I, um, I probably will, just to be, you know, transparent, this next year, 2024, is the year that I'm going to just really market it even more, both books. Um, I'm going to, my New Year's resolution, I've already decided for 2024, is to um, try to um use different marketing tactics than I've used in the past. For example, I've never done a school visit, but those can be um, great experiences and also quite lucrative. Um, if you get good at school visits and you have a little bit of a, for lack of a better word, you know, uh, dog and pony show or, or 
um, song and dance or whatever that you can do for the kids to make it engaging and entertaining and not just reading your books, um, that could be a, a side thing that you do and could bring in, help to recoup some of what you spend initially to get the book out there. So that's my focus for 2024. The, the third story will probably be 2025. But you already know what it is. Nope, not yet. Oh, you I don't. don't. Okay. Happen to the dragon yet? Okay. I have to start. Yeah, it's weird because I start writing and then it sort of just uh, reveals itself. Nice. So. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, two more questions for you. Um, one is, what book promotion idea that you have? And we should say you have a you have a history as a as being a publicist. Yes, yes. So I'm a PR uh, professional, and um, I I work with a couple of PR agencies that actually um, help people who are authors. So one of them is Book Savvy PR, another one is Claire McKinney PR, and both of them um, I've I've assisted many other um, self-published and traditionally published authors and gotten them publicity. So I've used those tactics um, for myself and just treated myself as if I'm a client. That's and, right. And gotten myself on podcasts like yours. That's it. Perfect. Um, and you do a good job with your promotional materials, media kit and all that stuff. Um, but anyway, so tell me, tell us what book promotion that you tried worked really, really well. For me, one of the things that works well, and I just kind of put this in with marketing and advertising. Um, so getting myself on podcasts, of course, has been terrific. But another thing that works really well in terms of getting reviews, at least initially, is a website called pubby.co, not .com. You're going to want to put the M on there, but don't. Um, so it's pubby.co, and um, you can they give you something like 10 days free or something. Um, so you could either do the free thing or if you're willing to pay about $200 a year, which I think is totally worth it, you can get um, you know maybe four to five reviews per week. And what you do is you review other people's work. So you review other authors' work, and it tells you how many um, words. So I look for other people's work that is short, other people's um, children's picture books, which I need to be reading anyway. I need to know what else is out there and what's popular and so on. So I read these other people's children's books that are, you know, a thousand words or less, and then I review it, and you earn this currency unique to the to the website called Snaps. And when you earn those snaps, you exchange them for reviews of your book. So it's not an exact quid pro quo. So I'm not reviewing the same person who reviewed my book. So I don't have to worry that someone's going to give me a bad review because I gave them a bad review. It's not like that. I review a different person than reviewed me and so on. And that really helps uh, on Amazon and Goodreads and things like that for you to get those reviews that are so crucial when you're first starting out. So do you have to stay in the same genre with Pubby.co? No, no. In fact, I've done things that are like women's diaries, things that I know will be short that I'll have the time to read because it says how many. So if it's a thousand words or less, so sometimes a diary or self-help kind of thing, or sometimes a coloring book or a cookbook, that's, you know, because I don't have time to, it's the same number of snaps that you get to read a book that's 500 words, like a picture book, um, and a book that's like a, you know, war and peace or something. Um, so, and because I'm a busy person, I'm not going to, I'll of course opt for something that's a quicker read and then get those points and, and get my book reviewed as well. And how important are those reviews, Cheryl? Oh my gosh, they're, they're like gold. Um, and it's also important to get some professional reviews. You know, there are organizations like um, Reader's Favorite 
uh, that will give you a professional review. Um, some of them they don't do for independently published books. Like I don't think publish well, Publishers Weekly has a sub group that does it some, um, but the, I know that there are certain ones that don't do for in for um, for independently published books. Right. But um, then when you get those professional reviews, you can then put them on um, a different area of your Amazon page. Um, and, and really highlight those professional reviews as well. Yep, I agree completely. Very important. Okay, so what if if that's what worked really well, what did you try that did not work very well? Book, okay. Book promotion-wise. Right. Um, I joined a competitor to Pubby, and that one I um, did not operate in the exact same way. I It didn't have where you would earn points and get reviews every time you reviewed someone else. So I was reviewing a few other people's and not getting any reviews back. So that was one that didn't work um, very well for me. Um, one thing that does work also that's very great for, for reviews is something called NetGalley. And um, you can also that you get the email addresses of the people that are reviewing on NetGalley. And um, so that's nice because if some people, um, you, you get a spreadsheet at the end of the month, and if it says that this person, sometimes they write back, I was unable to access your book. I couldn't open it. I wanted to read it, blah, blah, blah. Then you can email them back and, and send it as an attachment. And you can say, you know, I'm sorry you weren't able to read it. Please read it now and let me know your thoughts. And please consider writing a review. Um, also, if somebody gives you a really glowing review, you can ask them if you can um, pull out that review and maybe get somebody to use Canva and put it on your social media. That review also, um, if they're some sort of a professional, you can use that as a professional review to highlight on Amazon. And you can also ask them if they want to be on your email list. And it's, I have an email list and once a month, I send out um, some newsworthy items to the people on my email list. What helped me get my entire, almost my entire email list, I got 400 people on my email list in one fell swoop from going to a um, kindergarten and pre-K conference. And um, so I had some people sign when I, I had a booth and I was selling my books, you know, along with the other vendors. And then they had a giveaway and they said any of the vendors who participate in the giveaway get the names of every attendee. Oh, wow. And these are all kindergarten, preschool and first grade teachers who, of course, are looking for content for their kids to read. And so they were all instantly I had these 400 people on my email. list. So definitely consider um, booth sitting at, at various events as well. That can be very helpful. All Your right, royalties so are higher when you sell directly. Yeah, I, that was going to be my next question. How do you find those types of events? So I just did simple Google searches. Um, I typed in, you know, um, I, I live in McHenry, Illinois. So I wrote in, you know, education conferences near McHenry, Illinois into a Google search. And I looked at what was occurring where. And, you know, a couple of them were are in the city. I don't feel comfortable driving into the city. So I opted out of those. And I just opted for the ones that were in the suburbs that would be easier to get to for me. So things like that. And then you just, you know, you look for their exhibitor pages and um, on their websites and you apply to be an exhibitor. And, nice. um, you, you know, you pay whatever that fee is and they give you a table. And um, and that's another thing that I'm going to be doing in 2004, uh, 2024 is 
getting um, a nicer looking uh, booth situation, right? Last time when I did this, I didn't have anything on the table in terms of like a tablecloth that's branded or something behind me that says Be Kind Publishing or anything like that. But this year I'm gonna get those items. Um, T-shirts, I have a couple T-shirts that say Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze that my family um, Mm -hmm. is all gonna wear. We're, We're going to the book fair in Miami, which is a big event in a couple of weeks. Nice. And um, so we're all going to wear our shirts and my book is going to be at one of the booths. Um, so, uh, so, so branded materials for a booth can be, make a booth more attractive and make, help your sales a lot. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, so. you have your family members at the entrances, you know, handing out postcards, <laughs> say, go visit my sister. She's the author of Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze. They get people moving. Maybe. You know, this this book fair in Miami, I've only been once before when I was about 16 and it's several city blocks. It's one of the biggest book fairs in the country. So wow. it's outdoors. Um, so I, I don't know. We we would have to I think we're going to have to stick together or we'll lose each other. <laughs> it's such a big, <laughs> such a big. That's event. awesome. But it's good to know that those places still exist. I think since uh, yes. Book Expo America folded up shop and, and they don't do the big New York uh, book fair anymore, mm-hmm. people think, well, it's all over. But it isn't. Like you say, they right. do regionals and they do state Mm -hmm. yeah right and the florida one the one in miami um famous people go to that well the famous people because they wrote these books that are (laughs) (laughs) they're going to promote their own books but uh, i mean it's these are big happenings so it's it's good to be where where there's a lot of activity cool and apply for contests that's another thing so the reason i'm going there is not just for the book fair but um i i won an award um congratulations thank you silver medal um and um, my first book actually got six awards, three of which were um, three of which are first place wins. No, two of which are first place wins and the rest are, are various different levels. But those contests help to level the playing field, too. You do have to pay something to be in those contests. But then when you can say I'm an award winning author, that gives you a little more clout and, and helps uh, more libraries ex- want to have your book and so on. So awesome. That's that's great advice. And thank you so much. I love when we have you on, Cheryl, because you provide so many great resources without even thinking for a second. You know, I love it. Oh, thank thank you. you. Yeah, we thank really you so much. We really me. appreciate it. Thank you so much. So we will direct everyone to um, your website. And that is B-KindPublishing.com. And yes, B-E- I'm sorry, say again. B-E- B-E- Dash, yeah. kindpublishing.com. Kind there yes. you go. And um, the latest book, Baby Dragon Finds His Family, is available now wherever you buy books, right? Um, yes, it's available on um, not in brick and mortar, um, except for in an independent bookstore near me. But it's on Target.com, um, Walmart.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Amazon, um, all the Amazon extensions worldwide. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thanks for being with us. Good luck and enjoy Miami. Thank you. Thanks so much. All Take right. Care. We'll have you soon. We'll have you again soon. And you, you are listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. You have been listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold with Claudine Walk. Thanks for listening. And remember to share and subscribe to my Substack, Get Your Book Seen and Sold at ClaudineWalk.substack.com. With paid subscriptions, some less than $5 a month. You will have access to all of my resource-filled posts and podcasts, plus a fill-in-the-blank book marketing plan that you can download. At the highest subscription level, you will also get a 30-minute consult with me, 
When you are ready to make some decisions about your book, subscribe today and let's come up with a plan.